chapter, and I'll begin with verse number 2, and I'll read down through verse number 9. I am hoping that this weather uh, doesn't turn too bad on us. A um, little concerned. The rain is falling now, and the temperatures are supposed to be falling this afternoon uh, and turning to snow, so we're just going to keep our eye on that and be watching very, very closely related to service tonight. I don't like to dismiss service. I like to be in the house of the Lord, particularly when we're in this revival atmosphere, in this revival spirit. So we'll keep our eyes and ears tuned to the forecast and seeing what the future is going to hold for us. Haggai, the second chapter, and I'm going to begin with verse number two. Speak now, O Zerubbabel, the son of Shealtiel, governor of Judah, and to Joshua, the son of Josedek, the high priest, to the residue of the people, saying, Who is left among you that saw this house in her first glory? And how do you see it now? Is it not in your eyes in comparison of it as nothing? Yet now be strong, O Zerubbabel, saith the Lord. Be strong, O Joshua, son of Josedek, the high priest. And be strong, all ye people of the land, saith the Lord, and work. For I am with you, saith the Lord of hosts, according to the word that I covenanted with you when you came out of Egypt. So my spirit remaineth among you. Fear ye not, for thus saith the Lord of hosts, yet once... It is a little while, and I will shake the heavens and the earth and the sea and the dry land, and I will shake all nations, and the desire of all nations shall come, and I will fill this house with glory, saith the Lord of hosts. The silver is mine and the gold is mine, saith the Lord of hosts. The glory of this latter house shall be greater than of the former, saith the Lord of hosts. And in this place will I give peace, saith the Lord of hosts. I want to preach for a little while this morning by the help of the Lord, the glory of the Lord's house. The glory of the Lord's house. Let's pray together, Lord. I pray today for your anointing to rest upon your word and upon your messenger this morning. Give inspiration to our mind and our hearts today, Lord. Let there be a flow, Lord, as there has been through the worship service for the delivering of the word of the Lord. And let us receive it, O oh God, that there may be a response in the end, God, that would please you this morning. And we magnify and glorify your name today and give you honor in Jesus' name. Amen, amen. You may be seated. Now, we are dealing today with the building or the rebuilding of the house of the Lord. And we are in a text this morning that deals with the fact that the second house in its building had no comparison to the visual aesthetics of the first house. 
And those who saw the glory of that house in all of its array and its beauty would look upon that house and would say, it is as nothing in comparison to the first house. But the Lord spoke and He said, all of the silver and the gold and all of the fine tapestry and artistry that made up the first house and gave it all of its glory and all of its appearance. All of those things actually the Lord said belong to me. But then he turns and says, but I will fill this house with the glory that I can give. And then he goes on to say that the glory of the second house would be greater than that of the first house. Now, most of us have read and heard uh, of the building of Solomon's temple. It was the most magnificent edifice from the exterior and the interior ever built by Israel and offered unto the Lord as a place of worship. Several chapters of the Bible detail the planning, the preparation, and the incredible process of erecting that very sacred structure. The Bible even goes as far as to describe the wealth of the material that was used within and without. One of the most powerful stories in the Bible is that the dedication service of the temple. It was an occasion that almost defies description when God's glory appeared so thick in a cloud, so gloriously that the priest could not even stand to minister in the house of the Lord. I guess it would qualify for what we may term as a fallout service. It was everybody, nobody could respond because the glory of God literally was so thick and so heavy as a cloud that the priest could not even minister. I want you to know today that although we refer to this temple as Solomon's temple, King David, Solomon's father, was actually the one most deserving of the credit for the Lord's house. Consider this, of the 1,017,000 talents of silver that was given to build the temple, David gave one million of them. Solomon actually only raised 17,000 compared to David's 1 million. Of the 108,000 uh, 108, talents of gold, 100,000 talents of gold were from David's storehouse, making it very obvious to everybody that of the $8.5 billion in today's currency that it would take to build such a temple, literally, the vast majority came from David, Solomon's father. In addition to the gold and the silver, David stockpiled the raw material needed for the task. It was the cedars from Lebanon, the stone from the local quarries. They say that it took 10,000 men 11 years just to cut down all the wood that it took to erect such an incredible temple. Everybody 
Look at your neighbor today and say the word preparation. Say the word planning. That's the hard part and that's often the part of the investment that is so soon forgotten or even overlooked. Press on now a few chapters in your Bible. David is in the grave and his son Solomon is king and Solomon built the temple from David's stockpiles. And when it was erected, it seemed that it was the smoothest building program in the history of building programs. The Bible said that the house, when it was being built, the stones were made already before it was ever brought thither, so that neither was there the sound of a hammer, nor of an axe, nor of any tool of iron that was heard in the house while it was being built. Everything seemed to just fall in place. The craftsmen were so skilled in the building of the temple that they literally built every piece, every particle, every dimension was cut to detail, was labeled, was placed, was stored. And it was all brought in and was erected without even the sound of a whittler or an axe or the sound, a ring of a hammer. No tool had to even be used. Now, I would submit to you today that when things fall into place, it's, it's so well that it's not, uh, it's not real easy to have things fall into place. Anyone who's ever constructed anything at all, my word, I can, I can get, uh, uh, when my wife goes to purchase something, I, the first thing I want to know is, is, does it require assembly? Because if assembly is required, I, I don't like to deal with the assembly process. I, I can enjoy building, but yet I can tell you that uh, if I cut a few boards, I'm going to have to go back and recut something. It, 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 I'm not such a skilled craftsman that all the pieces come together exact, but it did in Solomon's temple. It came together, but when these things happen, it's because somebody was planning and somebody was preparing in detail in the days gone by. Without David's investment into the future, Solomon's name would have scarcely been more than a footnote in the sacred uh, annals of history. Solomon's life was made infinitely easier because of David. Uh, it, it, his father's investment was invaluable to him. The overwhelming task of building a glorious house for the glory of God and for God's presence to dwell was made possible because he had a father that had foresight. Because he had a father that had vision. Because he had a father that prepared and made it ready and laid up in store for his son's future. With David's investment into the future, Solomon's future could become brighter and his objective was so much easier. I have to stop here at this point in the message this morning to say that Christian Life Church has been blessed with such a very rich and tremendous history, leadership, and members for almost 50 years. We're only three and a half months, four months away from celebrating 50 
years of history. It didn't happen by accident. It didn't come together. That's all right. Give them all a hand clap. If you're one of those that's been here over the years, thank you for your labor. It's not taken lightly. For today, we're able to eat of vineyards that we didn't plant. And we're able to partake of things that we weren't there in the formidable years. And God, help us to never ask why it was done the way it was done. Let us just enjoy the blessings of what has been bestowed upon us. Gifted men and women have carried a vision for almost 50 years, worked tirelessly, given of their time, their talent, and their treasure so that we could come and live in this moment. I've been blessed to be part of this church for 25 years of its history, just a few months away from being 25 years that I have been part of this assembly, almost half of its life that I've been able to watch this church as it is transformed to being what it is. Someone yesterday spoke to me and said, Pastor, uh, can you just stop and begin to name things that have progressed in this church over the last five or six years and said, isn't it awesome to see what God is doing in the church? When we're living in real time, sometimes, very often actually, it is very easy for us to fail to realize the progress that is taking place around us, to see what God is doing in and around the church. But when we look back a little while, we'll see how God is blessing the church, how God is moving the church forward, and how God is blessing and working in our lives. We ought to pause for a moment and just give God a moment of thanksgiving for what He's doing in our lives, in our home, in our church, and how He's moving us forward. Would you across the room lift your hands and just say thank you to the Lord for bringing us to this point in this time. What a tremendous heritage we have. What a legacy to leave for generations to come. A heritage of the Lord's house. How valuable is one day to you in the house of the Lord. How precious is the house of the Lord in your own mind today. David said, honor and majesty are before him. Strength and beauty are his sanctuary. 1 Kings chapter 10 and verse 4 says, And when the queen of Sheba had seen all of Solomon's wisdom in the house that he had built and the meat at his table and the sitting of his servants and the attendants of his ministers, and their apparel and their cupbearers and his accent by which he or his ascent by which he went up unto the house of the Lord there the Bible said there was no more spirit in her how how valuable is one day in God's house to you uh, that's a very worthy question for us this morning uh, to David in his 84th Psalm would say that a single day in the house of the Lord is worth more than a thousand days elsewhere in the world. He went on to say to be the very lowest servant in God's house is better than living in the places and the mansions of the wicked. Simply put, your worst day living for God is better 
better than your best day living in the world. Ah, we sing. Yes, we do. Better is one day in your courts. Better is one day in your house. Better is one day in your courts than thousands elsewhere. Yes, David, we're still singing your song because we understand how awesome it is to be in the house of the Lord. Nothing can replace the glory of the Lord's house. Nothing replaces the majesty when the Lord shows up like he has already this morning. I wouldn't take anything for it. I wouldn't trade anything for it. Take this whole world. Take all of its wealth and riches. I don't need earth's fame. Give me the glory of God. Give me the glory of the Lord's house. Do you feel that way this morning? If you do, give him a hand clap of praise. How valuable is God's house to you this morning? How valuable is His presence to you today? I don't know about you, but I've been thinking the last few days. I I want my children, and although I hope it's many more years before it comes to pass, but it may be sooner than a net or I either one would be ready for, but someday our grandchildren. But I want our children and our grandchildren to grow up and experience a powerful presence of God like I have been privileged to grow up in and spend my life. The stories that have been handed to me and the services that I have experienced throughout my years of living for God. I want my children and my grandchildren to grow up and experience the same dynamic power and presence of God that I have been able to experience. I want my sons to be familiar with worshiping in the presence of the Almighty God. I want my sons to clearly understand what it really means and what all the representation of our time of prayer and fasting is really all about. I want them to know what it's like to go beyond the veil and get into the glory and the presence of God like we have experienced in fact this very, very morning in the worship and in the singing and in the praise it was just marvelous I was just sitting here this morning in awe and I was thinking thank God brother Danny said it like this he said this is what the awakening is all about that's what this season and this time is all about but can I tell you that it must not just be equated to a three or four week space of time at the beginning of every year but oh God let your glory and let your power and let our praise be acceptable 12 months out of the year. Oh God I need your presence and your power and your glory every day of my life. The Bible says that she came from afar. How she heard about this king named Solomon. One can only speculate. Jesus said this woman came from the utter parts of the earth. To see the son of the great king David. Jesus called her the queen of the south. She was from the land of Sheba. The queen was on a quest to satisfy her curiosity about the well-known and famous king by the name of Solomon. Solomon. 
Were the stories that she had been hearing true or were they more fiction than they were legend? She had heard of the great and powerful blessings that had befallen the son of King David. She had heard of the wealth that he had inherited from his conquering father. Stories had been told of how the caravans laden with gifts from distant kings came from around the world into Solomon's courts every day. She had heard the story about God, how God had spoken to this uh, king and had said to him, anything that you ask, I will give it to you. He could have asked for more, more money. He could have asked for more wealth. He could have asked for a larger kingdom. He could have asked for more people. But Solomon simply asked God for wisdom to lead his people. And oh, what wisdom that the Lord bestowed upon him. His words of wisdom in Proverbs were already taken the world by storm even in that day. The queen of Sheba had also heard of his worship and how that he dedicated the dedication service of the temple that he had offered 22,000 oxen and 120 sheep that he had offered as a sacrifice unto his God. The Bible said that when the queen of Sheba heard of the fame of Solomon concerning the name of the Lord, she came to prove him with hard questions. I, I, I got to say to you this morning that it's amazing that she didn't come to see the glory of the structure and of the house that took 11 years to build and billions of dollars in today's currency to, to be able to design. She didn't come to see Solomon's house. She didn't come to see the architecture. But she came to have her questions answered. Solomon's temple was one of the largest structures of that day. It spanned 180 feet long, 90 feet wide, and 50 feet high. Some of the remaining foundation stones are so large that modern engineers can't even figure out how they were laid in place. Yet the Bible says that it was put in place without even the sound of a hammer. It is amazing how that this was done. It had to be by divine providence. The hand of God had to be upon the building of this structure. God's mighty power had to be upon the men and the people that worked and labored. No expenses were spared. Gold blanketed the entire edifice. 3,300 men oversaw the effort. The expense was so great that Solomon had to pay off the king of Haram by giving 20 entire cities in Galilee away just for the expense. Uh, for seven years he spent uh, building God's house. He spent twi twice as long building his own house. But when, when all was said and done, the queen showed up and she wasn't even intrigued by the architecture. She wasn't impressed, you see. She came from afar. She came from great wealth herself. Her wealth didn't compare to Solomon, but it was wealthy enough that when she got there, she kind of felt right at home. 
She didn't mention the beauty of the structure. She didn't mention the gold and the silver of the sanctuary. But she even she even came to Jerusalem to meet Solomon. And the Bible said that she had a very great train herself. She came with camels to bear with bearing spices with very much gold and precious stones. When she came to Solomon, she didn't came poor and needy, but she came and communed with him with her heart and she came with a very great train of camels and servants herself bringing things to Solomon as gifts and when she got there she told Solomon that she had questions and the Bible said that Solomon told her all her questions. There was not anything that was hidden from the king which he had not told her the Bible said. In other words if she asked a question Solomon gave her an honest answer. I want you to know something today that God's house is where we get our questions answered. It's in God. I'm not talking about temporal questions. I'm not talking about simple little things. We can get answers in different places, but there's some places, some things that you can only have answered in the house of the Lord. Questions that are hinging upon eternity. I come today to tell you they can only be answered in the house of the Lord. Somebody tells me, I don't need the house of the Lord. I don't need a church. I don't need a church body. I don't need a family. You're wrong, my friend. There are some things that God has left and set aside to only be answered through the house of the Lord. What must I do to be saved? That answer comes through the house of the Lord. What am I going to do and how do I deal with my sin problem? That answer only comes through the house of the Lord. Oh, what do I do when I can't go any further in life? That answer, ladies and gentlemen, comes through the house of the Lord. Where do I turn to when I'm trying to deal with the tragedies of life? That answer only comes through the house of the Lord. What do I do when the enemy brings storms into my life and I just can't seem to go on? I find the answer in the house of the Lord. As I was reading about the building of Solomon's temple, I recognize that he placed two massive columns at the entrance of his house. It must have been beautiful. Here at the entrance of the tabernacle of the temple were two very large pillars. They were so large and so outstanding that he even named them. Therefore, perhaps Solomon was the first one to name a pet rock. One, the Bible said, he called Boaz. And the other, he called Jachin. Boaz and Jachin stood at the door of the temple. One on the one side and one on the other. Boaz simply means God is strength. And the other, Jachin, means God is Direction. So when they entered into the temple, they had to walk between the two pillars. God is strength and God is direction. I came today to remind you 
that we get what we need at the house of the Lord. We get strength and we get direction at the house of the Lord. Take people away from God's house and they lose strength. Take people away from God's house and they will lose direction. Away from God's house, our thinking gets muddy, uncertain and confused. Our faith grows vague and foggy. According to a study done by Focus on the Family, they asked the question, what is it that baby boomers expect from the church? The answer came back resounding. They said they expect eight things. First, they expect good preaching. Second, they expect expect great worship. Thirdly, they expect, expect good fellowship. They expect good facilities. They expect good food. Good child care. A good parking lot. And good restrooms. We're pretty good at most of those things. Maybe missing it on the parking lot and the preaching. But most of the rest we're doing pretty good with. These are all good things. When I read through this list, I thought, and I'm all the time reading things of this sort, trying to help myself and help the church. And I'm reading through this survey, and I'm I'm seeing it, and I stopped and I came back. What was amazing about this is that there was no consideration for doctrine. There's no talk. There's, there, there's very little talk here. There, there's nothing about a spiritual atmosphere. There's nothing about a place where the glory of God dwells. It's, it's, most of what is here tells me as I read through this, everything is based on what pleases the flesh and what makes them happy. But I got to tell you, that's not why I came to church today. That's not why I came today. As a matter of fact, we've been at this long enough to understand and know that we've pretty much got this flesh thing beginning to die out. And last night in my prayer, I just kept saying to the Lord, God, I need your glory. God, I need your presence. God, I need your power. I want to tell you why I came here today. Because I'm desperate for the glory of God. I'm hungry for a move of God. I've come to get some questions answered that can only get answered in His presence. I have a deep need to know today, where can I find your glory? Where can I find the renewal of the joy of the Lord? Where can I find hope that is beyond all comprehension? Where can we find healing? Where can we find salvation? God, that's what I long for. Show up in your glory. I long for your glory to be in the house today where we find healing, hope, and salvation. I must admit this morning that I kind of sympathize with King Nebuchadnezzar when he petitioned Daniel. He said, I've even heard of thee that the Spirit of God is in thee and the light and understanding and excellent wisdom is found in thee. 
And now the wise men and astrologers have been brought before me and they that they should read this writing and be made known the interpretation thereof. But King said they could not show the interpretation. And, 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 and I've heard of thee, Daniel, that thou canst make interpretation and dissolve doubts. Now if you can read this writing and make known to me the interpretation and I'll clothe thee with scarlet and have a chain of gold about thy neck and thou shalt be a ruler in the kingdom of God that impresses most prophets but not Daniel Daniel answered the king and Daniel said yet here's what he said Daniel said let thy gifts be to thyself and give thy rewards to another Yet I will read the writings unto the king and I will make known unto him the interpretation. What he said was, Nebuchadnezzar, I have a message for you. It wasn't the spirit of little g gods. Queen of Sheba, I have something to tell you. It wasn't the wisdom of King Solomon. Nebuchadnezzar, it was the God of Daniel. Queen, it was the God of Solomon. It was the God of David. It was the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. It was the God that gave Daniel his insight. He saw what others could not see because God gave him the vision to see it. It was God that appeared unto Solomon by night and asked what shall I give thee? And Solomon said, give me wisdom. Today, should we look for Daniel? Or should we look for a Solomon? Or should we look for a gifted prophet? I come to to propose to you today that I don't think so. But what we need is we need the glory of God in the house. Yes, we have great preachers that are going to be preaching over the next few weeks, but they're not going to bring it with them. We've got great singers that are going to be singing and great music that's going to be made. We're going to, we're going to make this place pop with every bit of talent and gifts that we have. But it isn't what we're really looking for. What we're really looking for is the glory of God to show up. We've got to have the glory of God show up. What's all the fasting and prayer about? We need the glory of God in this house. Oh, somebody lift your hand right now and call on the Lord. I come to propose to you today that one greater than Solomon's in the house. Jesus Christ is here. He's here to answer your questions. He's here to tell you what you're longing, to bring you what you're longing for. He's here to meet your need. Here's what the Bible said when the queen, queen of Sheba, Lord, I got to hurry. Time's getting away from me this morning. When the queen Sheba saw all the wisdom of Solomon and the palace that he had built, the food on his table, the seating of his officials and the attendants of his servants and their robes and the cupbearers and the burnt offerings and, uh, that he made at the temple of the Lord, she was overwhelmed and she fainted. The King James Version says there was no more spirit in her. The New Living Translation said she was breathless. In my vernacular this morning, she was in awe. 
So much so that she couldn't maintain her breath. It took her breath away. That's all. How long has it been since we have been in awe of the glory and presence of God to where it literally took our breath away? Oh, it only takes your breath away when it's something that you long for, when it's something you're hoping for, when it's something you're reaching for, when it's something that you've got to have that it took your breath away. How long has it been that you have prayed and fasted and walked in the doors of the church and you have just said, oh God I don't care who thinks what about me I don't care who's looking at me who's around me, who's laying hands on me all that matters God is that I get into your presence. All that matters God is that I get beyond the veil all that matters God is that I get into the place where you meet with me God I need your glory and when his glory sweeps in like it did this morning, there was some of you that's already got this message and some of you that are getting this message today because you were in awe of the moment and you said I can't miss the moment I can't miss the moment now's the time I've got to clap my hands I've got to lift my voice I've got to lift up my hands this is the moment I've been waiting for I'm in awe of the moment I'm in awe of the moment how long has it been since God's presence has put you in awe of the moment Perhaps we need our wonder restored to the point when we look and we see the glory of God and we wonder. Oh, there is a word for you this morning, wonder. God's house should amaze us. God's glory should amaze us. It's not about the brick and the stone. It's not even about a rough driveway. My Lord, we get so caught up with so many things. I understand personal needs. But what it's really about is the glory of God showing up in this house. It doesn't matter who's on the platform. It doesn't matter who's leading. It doesn't even matter what style song it is. God, I just need your glory. Whatever you got to do, I need your glory. Whatever I need to do, I want your glory. I'm in awe of your glory. I fear that this generation has lost its awe of God. We've lost our wonder of the glory of the house of God. Matthew chapter 11 says, But whereunto shall I liken this generation? It is likened to children sitting in the markets calling unto their fellows and saying we have piped unto you and you have not danced we have mourned unto you and you have not lamented but being in God's presence should move every one of us in one direction or the other either in the presence of God it should move us to worship it should move us to weeping or it should move us to dancing but the church has lost its all I ask you today, did you come to be entertained? Or did you come to be in awe when His glory showed up? Did you come just to check in? 
to put in your time? Or did you come today to say, God, I really need your glory. I really need your presence. Oh, God's house is so glorious. Where else can a man find the ashes of mourning transformed into the oil of gladness? Where else can we exchange the spirit of heaviness for the garment of praise? Where else can we enter one way and leave another? Where else can we walk in lame and leave walking? Where else can we walk in blind but walk out seeing? Have we moved so far away from our all of the amazing grace of God that it doesn't move us anymore to say, I once was lost, but now I'm found. I was blind, but now I see. I'm in awe of your grace. I'm in awe of your wonder. I'm in awe of your presence. Heads are bowed, eyes are closed. Are you in awe of Him this morning? Are you in awe of His glory today? Do you desire it? Do you seek for it? Do you want it more than even life itself? God, I want your presence. God, I've got to have your presence. How long has it been? Since the worship service has set you back and rocked you on your heels and brought you to a point of realization, this is my moment. I must step out. This is my moment. I must respond. I feel that God is calling us as a people, as a church. I had another message prepared and ready to preach this morning. And last night after prayer meeting, we went and got a bite to eat. I went to the house. I talked to my family. I went to bed. It was late. And the Lord began to impress this message upon me to preach this morning. I already was prepared. I already was coming with a different message. But the Lord began to deal with me. And I feel that it's, that it's adequate for this morning. It's adequate for this moment. The Lord is calling us to restore and renew our all of Him. We need the glory of God. Let us recognize the glory of God when it sweeps in. God, take our breath away this morning. Take our breath away this morning. When the queen walked in and she saw all, it took her breath away. But when she met with the king and she spent time with him and she started out the door, the Bible said she came with a great train. She brought gold and all sorts of things to Solomon. But when she walked out of the door, Solomon in return gave back to her multiple times more than what she had brought to him. What a perfect example this morning when we walk into the house of the Lord and we're in awe of the glory of God and we make it known. I promise you, you'll walk out of the door carrying out more than what you brought in. 
You'll bring your, you'll bring your heavy heart. You'll bring your sorrow. You'll bring your pain. But you're going to walk out of this building this morning with joy. You'll walk out of this building this morning filled with the glory of God. Oh, and when she left, the Bible said that she, when she left, there was one thing that she had to say. There was one thing that she had to say. She says, and the half has not even been told. And the half has not even been told. Could that have been what Haggai was, was writing about when he said, It's not going to be beautiful with gold and silver, saith the Lord. But he said, The glory of the latter house will be greater than the former house. Could it be that what we're about to experience, Christian Life Church, is going to set us back so much in awe that we're not even going to have a remembrance of the experiences we have had in times before? God's about to take us to a brand new place. He's about to take us to a new place and the half has not been told. Oh, the half has not even been told. Somebody stand to your feet this morning and begin to magnify the Lord and begin to glorify the Lord right where you are today. We're going to come forward in a moment, but we're going to create an atmosphere right where you are. Right where you are today from the front of this room to the back. Why don't you just let him know how you feel about his glory today. You let him know today, I'm turning this service to you this morning. Your response to God will tell him how you feel about his glory. God, we need your glory. We want your presence, God. We need your presence, God. I'm in awe of your presence, God. I'm in awe of your glory. Show me your power. 